0: Fourteen tonight numbers chapter fourteen and uh, I presume that most what what he means by that is he helps support these pastors these national pastors in their work and in their labor and um, i uh, I appreciate uh, what what God is doing uh, through this ministry and how God's blessed him and how God's working what what you're seeing there is fruit that remains. And um, I think I tell you, I always feel it. Don't matter what mission is when I see those when I see those preachers getting ordained, um, and and not making light, but they got their tie on, and it's not Joseph A. Banks or Stafford, and they they don't have the Allen Edmonds and suits and all that stuff. It makes them feel about that high because those men are just serving God and giving God their best, and it's good to get realigned on your mind and about what ministry is, it's not about pulpits and platforms, it's about reaching people with the gospel, and uh, so I, I thank the Lord for that. Numbers chapter number 14 tonight, and I'm um, get my timer started here. Uh, it is in my heart uh, to look at some passages over the next few weeks on Wednesday nights, and I'll be honest with you, um, the thought for this uh, come from a football coach's press conference. Don't laugh because uh, he's talking about the churches in Zambia. Some of them, they, the preachers say, don't bring your Bibles. That goes on in America, too. <laughs> they may not say don't bring their Bibles. They just don't use their Bibles. Uh, but I've, I say I got it from a, a coach in a press conference. I, I say that tongue-in-cheek. I've had this thought on my heart for a while, and I heard a guy say something. I want to take a few Wednesday nights and preach a little series on lessons from losing. I heard a football coach say that sometimes you learn more from a loss than you do a victory. And I want to take a few Wednesday nights and look at some of the battles that Israel, the nation of Israel, fought and lost. We, we often emphasize the battles that they won, and, and there's no, nothing wrong with that. And we might take a few Wednesday nights and look at that. But I'm interested in looking at why they lost because we are in a battle. The Bible teaches us, and I'm going to get to my verse in a moment. Let's lay a little groundwork. The Bible says in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So we're supposed to be victors. We're supposed to live a victorious Christian life. We are on the winning side. That's not just a good choir song. That is reality. But I'm finding many times in my own life, and if you'll be honest, in your life, we find ourselves on the losing side, not when it comes to the devil, I don't think you're fighting the devil. I don't think we're important enough. We might fight some of his demons. Uh, but I don't know if we're important enough to uh, rake havoc from the devil. Over in the book of Acts, the seven sons of Sceva, they said, Paul, we know, and Jesus, we know, but who are you? That's what the demons said. Wouldn't that be an awkward conversation? And so, uh, and, and really, we're not battling with the world as much. I'm going to tell you, our biggest problem is with the flesh. I lose more battles with the flesh than I do with the devil. I can resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Flesh ain't going to flee from you. And so, with those with and that's really what Israel's battles picture, a lot of the battles with the flesh. And so I want to look at some lessons from losing. And let's look tonight. One man said, if you do not learn from history, you are doomed to repeat history. And I want to look at Numbers chapter 14. And let's begin our reading in verse number 40 tonight. I'm going to give you the context of all this, but let me read these verses for a for a text. And I'll give you the context, give them a thought, and we'll let you go home tonight. We'll, we're going to receive a love offering too for the soldiers, so make sure you remind me of that at the end of service. Numbers chapter 14, v- verse 40. And they rose up early in the morning and gat them into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here and we'll go up into the place that the Lord had promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore, now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. You shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presume to go up into the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites which came down and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill smote them and discomforted them even to Hormah. Now the context here, and if you're taking notes tonight, or you got an outline in your bullets, and this introduction is not in your notes. We'll get to those three thoughts in a moment. But for, for the sake of context, to bring you up to verse number 40, I want to say a few thoughts, a few things. First of all, beginning in Numbers 13, verses 1 through 13, there is a reconnaissance or a recon. Ain't you glad I didn't have you write that word down? Some of y'all already complained about the words that I put. And so I didn't put that in your introduction so you wouldn't have to look that up. But God, I've often heard preachers say that God never told them to send spies out into the land. But actually, he did in Numbers 13. He tells them in Numbers chapter 13, and verse number 2, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I have given to the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now, God told them to send the spies, but it was not for the purpose to see if they could possess the land. God told them to send the spies and particularly to send one out of every tribe and send a ruler out of every tribe for this purpose so that that man would see how good it was over there and he would come back to his tribe and say, Hey, we've got to go. It's everything Moses said it was. It's everything God said it was. That was the intentions. But we notice the reports. They come back and you know the story. Ten had an evil report. And two had a good report. We know the two to be Joshua and Caleb. We're not going to read all the verses for sake of time. But but they said in verse number 31, but, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They said, yes, the, the land is flowing with milk and honey. and Yes, there is great things there, but we are not able. Well, of course they wasn't able, but God was able. Joshua and Caleb said, if the Lord delight in us... The reports came in and sadly, the evil report prevailed as it does most of the time. One man said that a lie will make it around the world three times while the truth is putting his shoes on. There's a report, then there's there is remorse in chapter number 14, verse 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and all the people wept that night. If we're to read all these verses, we won't for sake of time, but if we read all these verses, they actually get to a point, Brother Tony, where they, they said, we ought to just go back to Egypt and die. See, that's where doubt and disbelief will get you, to a point to where you think it's better living for the devil and living in bondage than living for the Lord. It's always a lack of faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin, Paul said. The remorse. Notice the response in chapter 14, verse 11 down uh, through, through uh, our text. Uh, God becomes very angry. And God, in verse 11 and 12, threatens to destroy them and disinherit them. And he said, look at verse 12, I will make them. Uh, I, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. But Moses interceded for the people. He said, Lord, please don't. What a man Moses was. God said, I'm going to destroy all them and I'm going to make a nation out of you, Moses. And God said, Lord, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Moses loved his people. So God, in judgment, and you know this, he states that all those 20 years old and upward would die in the wilderness. They would wander in the wilderness for 40 years because the reason the number 40 because they spied out the land for 40 days. And God said, for every one day you spent in the land of Canaan searching out, I'm going to make you wander in the wilderness for 40 years. For every one day, one year, 40 days, 40 years in the wilderness because of the rebellion and disbelief that brings us up to the verses we've read tonight. That's just a quick introduction, but God Moses relayed the information, God's not going to let you go. You got to wander in the wilderness 40 years. You're not to go. You're going to you're going to go to Canaan barnea and you and all these people 20 years old and upwards going to die and the young people they're going to go into the land of Canaan. But we find their rebellion It's interesting. After hearing God pronounce judgment, the people decide that they want to go and into the land and fight. Ain't that amazing? When they were supposed to go and fight, they didn't want to. And when they wanted to go and fight, they wasn't supposed to. You know what it was? It was rebellion that was within their heart. And because of rebellion, this is the first defeat in a battle that Israel suffered. Let's say three things here in our in our notes tonight about this battle. Number one, in verse number 40, I want us to notice the will that they imposed. Verse number 40, the Bible says, They rose up early in the morning and get them to the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we'll go into the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. They imposed their own will. They didn't want the will of God. They wanted to impose their own will. Notice their action in verse 40. And they arose up early in the morning and got them to the top of the mountain. Ain't amazing. They were diligent and excited about going into Canaan when God told them you can't go into Canaan. When God told them, go in there and get it. It's land full of milk and honey. It's yours for the taking. They said, Well, we don't want to go. It's full of rebellion. The rebellion is in their heart. It seemed as though as if they wanted to live directly opposite to everything that God told them to do. I mean, if God would have said go right, they said, we want to go left. If God would have said go north, they said, we want to go south. And they want to do everything opposite of God's will. By the way, your flesh will always want to go opposite of God's will. If you wait for your flesh to want to read the Bible and want to pray, it ain't going to happen. Your flesh will not have a desire for that. The flesh will not have a desire for the things of God. The Bible said that the natural man receiveth not the things of God for they are are spiritually discerned. And I'm telling you tonight that is a battle And, and we know that if we're saved by the grace of God, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. That new man lives on the inside of us. He wants to read the Bible. He wants to pray he wants to walk with god he wants to be faithful to church all oh, but that flesh that old man he don't want to do that and how many times do we uh, go with the flesh and go with the will of the flesh and what the flesh wants and it seems think about this we all have trouble getting up early reading our bible and praying but if i'm gonna make a tea time or if brother tony was to ever take me fishing I wouldn't have any trouble getting up at 5.30, 6 in the morning. I'd pop out of bed. Why? I'm excited to get to go. I don't know what you ladies do early in the morning. I guess. I don't know. But ain't no stores open until 10 o'clock. So I guess that illustration only works on the guys. But what I'm saying is, ain't it amazing how you get excited about things like that? But then you try to set your alarm to get up in 15, 20 minutes early to read your Bible and pray. And it seems like you just can't get your sorry carcass out of the bed. You know why? Your flesh wants to impose its own will. Instead of submitting to the Spirit and the will of God. Their action. Notice their announcement. "Lo, we be here. And we'll go up into the place which the Lord has promised. They said, alright, we will be here. It was all about what they wanted. You know, they, they wanted what God wanted for them. But they wanted it on their time and not God's time. God told them in Numbers 13, go get it. Oh, we ain't, we can't go. We're, we're just grasshoppers. Chapter 14. All right. We're ready to go. Their timing was off. They're getting ahead of God. God said, no, I've done pronounced judgment. You, you 20 years old lover, you're going to die in the wilderness and the rest of you are going to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. So the rest of this crowd dies. I'd be hiring assassins if I was a 20 year old and under. All right. Somebody, you know, Moses was the last one to die in that crowd. Can you see Joshua? Moses? You feeling well? <laughs> Moses, you're looking sick, buddy. <laughs> Why don't you go up on a mountain and see if God will just go ahead and take you home. I'm tired of eating man and quail. I'm ready to go over in Canaan land and have some honey nut Cheerios. Somebody say man. there. What I'm telling you, though, their, their announcement is say, we will go up. You ain't going to serve God on your own terms. You know, surrender is not telling God what you will do. Surrender is saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And submission their action, their announcement. But then notice their admission. This, this struck me odd. Here's what they said. For we have sinned. Now on this service, I'm like, well, that's good. They admit they had done wrong. But you know, that wasn't repentance. Because here's what they wanted. Okay, God, we've sinned. Now let us go and do what we want to do. It wasn't real repentance. boys, a lot of that goes on. Somehow get caught Somebody will get caught in sin or something like that, and they'll say, well, I'm sorry, I did wrong, and let's go on like nothing happened. And God said, no, 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 that's not real repentance. If they had repented, they would have fell down their face before God and said, God, we're sorry we didn't believe you, and they would have accepted the will of God for their life. But they wanted to sin, rebel against God. Can I put it in Arlingo? First John 1, 9, and go on down the road like nothing ever happened. Now, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is faithful to wipe that slate clean, thank God. But there are always consequences for sin. Whatsoever a man soweth, help me church, that shall he also reap the will they imposed. I'm going to tell you tonight, we're lacking real repentance in this day and age. You know, remorse is not repentance. Remorse is, I'm sorry, something happened. Regret is not repentance. Repentance. Regret is, I hate that happened. I wish that had not have happened. Repentance is when you admit that was wrong. What I did was wrong. And I'm aligning my life in an opposite direction of what that was so I don't commit that sin again. But I'm going to tell you tonight, when you and I, we say we struggle with sin and we come down an altar and we repent, but then we go right back out and do the same thing again, that is not true repentance. It might be regret. It might be remorse. We might feel sorry for what we did, and that's all good. But repentance says, by the grace of God, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm changing directions. The will they impose. Secondly, notice the warning they ignored. Verse 41, 42, and 43. And Moses said, Wherefore, now do you transgress the command of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. The will they imposed, but the warning they ignored. He warns them about three things. First of all, in verse 41, he warned them that they would not prosper. you don't have to figure out a good outline. Moses put in a good alliterated outline right here. Verse 41. But it shall not prosper. The word prosper means to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable. He said, why are you transgressing the commandment of the Lord? That word transgression, it means to pass over, to cross over. In other words, God has a line right here and says, don't cross this line. And they cross that line. When you go against the word of God, the commandment of the Lord was the word he had just spoken. And when you and I transgress and go against God's word, it will not prosper. We will not be successful. Everybody wants to be successful. I want to be successful. I don't want to be a deadbeat and a bum. Somebody say amen. I want to be successful. Pizza's here. And so uh, in Joshua 1.8, the only time you find the word success in the Bible, notice the context of it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do all that according to is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. When will I have good success? When I keep the Word of God. When I obey the Word of God. Moses said, hey, you're going against God's Word. Was it right to fight the Amalekites? Yes. Was it right to fight the Canaanites? Yes. But God had already given them their chance. They repelled. God said, I'm going to judge you for that. Oh God, we want to go now. And God said, no, don't go fight. We're going to go anyway. He warned them about that they would not prosper. Secondly, he warned them about God's presence. Look at verse 42. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not smitten before your enemies. Moses said, hey, 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 don't go. Don't go up there and fight. God's not with you. God's not going to help you. You know, whenever we try to do something without the Lord, we're wasting our time. If you and I can succeed at something without the Lord, was it even worth doing to start with? I mean, if we can do something and accomplish something without God's help, was it even worth doing? In fact, in reality, we can't do anything without Him because we can't even walk, talk, or breathe without God putting the air in our bodies and and giving us the ability to do those things. But He warned them about that they wouldn't prosper. He warned them about... God's presence but then he warned them about the product look at verse 43 he said I'm gonna tell you how it's gonna end look at verse 43 for the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you and you shall fall by the sword because you're turned away from the Lord therefore the Lord will not be with you he said I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen you're gonna go up to that hilltop and they're gonna kill you the truth was they would be smitten and they would die but they ignored the warnings you know what? When people have their minds made up about what they want to do, it's hard to change them. It's hard to change their mind. You can warn them. You can try to reason with them. You can lay out all the reasons why it's not going to work, why it's dangerous. But if they got that mind made up, you ain't changing it. Hello? I tell, you know, we're, we're bad about being stubborn. You know, we like to quote, and and I believe it, for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Hey, man, preacher, that's right. You get them teenagers. Well, I've met more rebellious adults than I have rebellious teenagers. I found out that rebellious teenagers learn it from rebellious adults. But did you know that ain't the rest of that verse? You know what the rest of it says? But stubbornness is as idolatry. I quoted that in the men in the prayer room the other night because men are stubborn. Ladies, I put the ball on the tee. That was your chance to have you an old-fashioned shouting spell and say, hey, man, that's right. I'm going to back it up. I'm going to give you another chance. Because men are stubborn. Because we learned it from our wives. Amen. <laughs> and his wife ain't in here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Amen. We'll send her a CD. What I'm telling you, we all deal with rebellion. We all deal with stubbornness. When we rebel, we might as well have a witch incantation and dance all around and have a witch doctor. And when we're stubborn, we might as well bow down in front of a Buddha or a false god and worship them because that's what rebellion and stubbornness is. And God said, don't do this. And they said, we're going to do what we want to do. And we're going to be successful at it. With you or without you. And Moses said, okay. Tried to warn you the will they imposed, the warning they ignored, and last of all, the war they invoked. Verse 44 and 45, I'm almost done. Watch these words. next three words. But they presumed to go up to the top of the hill. That is their decision, if you're taking notes, their decision. But they presumed to go to the, hill, uh, until the hilltop. The word presumed here, it's not to think, like we would say, I presume, This word presumed here means to lift up, to swell, or to be lifted up in the connotation of pride. You know why they presumed? Because this ain't the first time, Brother Charles, they fought Amalek. Exodus 17, when they come out of Egypt, Amalek was waiting for them. And they won. God gave them the victory. But you know what they forgot? They forgot the reason they won is because Moses, the man of God, had his hands up, and Aaron and Hur stayed the man of God's hands. He held up that rod, and God blessed him, and God gave him victory. And so they presume, well, we won against them before, we'll win against them again, with or without God. We've already got the advantage against them. They presumed. It reminds me of Samson when the when his when that when Delilah woke him up, said the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. Didn't even know that God wasn't with him. The decision, the departure, verse 44. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Now watch this. God said, Moses said, now if you go, God's not going to be with you. God did not leave them. They left God. Look at the text. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, that represents God's presence to Israel, and Moses, that's God's man, departed not out of the camp. God said, don't go. And they said, we're going anyway. And they walked away from God. I indicate to you tonight, Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Preacher, pray for him, I'm away from the Lord, where you're the one that got away. Because he's right where you left him. The decision, the departure, and last of all, Verse forty-five: The defeat. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwelt in the hill, and smote them and discomfited them even to Just as Moses had warned them, they suffered a great defeat. Now, as we look at these, as we look at these lessons from losing, I want us to look at why they lost. There's usually one thing, maybe two things. Tonight, there's one thing that caused them to lose this battle. They would not obey God's word. If they would have obeyed God's word in chapter 13, then when they went to fight Amalek and the Canaanites in chapter 14, there's no doubt in my mind they would have won. Why? Because they would have been submitted to God's word. But because they would not obey in chapter 13, and then God pronounced judgment on them in chapter 14, and then they wouldn't obey the command of the Lord not to go up in chapter 14, because of disobedience to the word of God when they got out there in the battle. They lost. There's lessons to be learned from losing tonight, folks. We need to learn this lesson from the children of Israel tonight. To obey God's word. The song we sing a lot of times, Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Well, preacher, I don't think you can learn anything from losing. I guarantee you they learn not to disobey God's word. We'll look at some more battles. There's other principles. But this principle tonight in this text, they would not obey the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you tonight, when you don't submit yourself to this Bible, to this book, to the authority of this book and what it says, and line your life by it, you're going to lose every time. Every time. Not, not most of the time, you're going to lose every time. May God help us to learn some lessons from losing. Amen. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matthew, come play a verse of invitation. There might be somebody would like to come pray tonight. We're just going to give that opportunity. Let's stand together, heads bowed and eyes closed. Just a moment. There might be someone that may have a desire to come pray. Maybe God spoke to your heart tonight about something. Maybe you've got a need that wasn't even dealt with in this message, but you just feel the burden to come pray. You're, you're welcome to do so. He's going to play through a verse. Nobody comes. We'll go to the house. We'll give you time to respond if God spoke to your heart tonight. Just learning some lessons from losing.